Welcome to the Divine Purpose Podcast, where we transport you along one of the more dynamic journeys of life. Have you ever been curious to know what it takes to become a successful leader? Or about knowing the secrets of life through the Bible? How about engaging in conversation where no topics are off limits? We will take you to new levels with guests who can help you grasp the importance of your calling. Now, here's your host, Eddie Dacius, founder of Dacius Facilities Management. Hey everybody, this is Eddie Dacius. Um, we have our goal today. Our show is brought to you by Dacius Facilities Management. They will manage your commercial property with a variety of services such as cleaning, project management, building maintenance. Call them now at 617-237-0106 or go online at www.daciusfm.com, D-A-C-I-U-S-F-M.com. We have a great show for you today. Great guest. Her name is Brenda Lawmill. Brenda Lawmill, she's the CEO of AMA. This is um, an organization, Asian American Medical Association. So we have a great show for you. We're going to present you the guest. Her name is Brenda Lomil. Brenda Lomil, how are you? I am well. Thank you, Eddie, for the invitation um, to join you. This is going to be great. I look forward to a, a robust and rich, authentic conversation. So thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. I'm doing great. Um, it's actually my first day on vacation from work. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm um, excited about a much needed break. So, yeah. Oh, definitely. Thank you for coming once again. So we appreciate mm-hmm. you. So what can you tell us about you? That's a loaded question. That's, that's a super loaded question. So I think starting off about um, me in terms of, you know, who I am. I think that's a, actually a hard question that some folks are, they struggle to answer. Um, I think, first of all, I, I am a child of God and um, I'm loved on. I'm loved God. God, okay, first of all, because everything that happens in my life, everything that um, I've been fortunate to see, do, partake in, I thank God for the opportunity to do so. Um, and then I am, I'm a daughter to some of the most amazing parents. I would like to say my parents are very amazing. Um, I am a sister. I'm an aunt, okay? I'm a friend. I have lovely, lovely, lovely friends. Um, I'm a girlfriend, but I would also say that's more like friendship. Amazing man that has, you know, put on my path to support me on the journey that I'm on. So I, um, I'm, I'm grateful for all that I am. And then outside of all of those things, I am a nurse practitioner. Like I have the pleasure of working with oncology patients, cancer patients, um, which they they motivate me. They they remind me why life is and the, the meaning and purpose to life. So I love I love functioning in that role. And I also love functioning in the role of um, professor. I also teach. Um, I love wow. learning. I love teaching. I love um, showing folks new things and watching my students just adapt and understand different concepts. So there's a lot of different things that I do. Um, 
And above all else, I love encouraging folks. I love encouraging um, folks to remind them that life is worth living and everyone is designed and created with a purpose, on purpose. And it is it is useless to not live this life and not live in your purpose. So again, loaded question, loaded answer. So I appreciate um, it. <laughs> that's me. That's me. Um yeah. No, definitely. And you, you talk about your parents and I I'm, I like the fact that you you talk about purpose. Yeah. And this is what this podcast is about. Divine purpose. Try to help people to understand and to embrace their purpose. So let's let's talk about your parents. So can you talk more? Yeah. Yeah. So my father, um, Emilio Lormel, is from he is from Azdinu, south, okay. deep south part of Haiti. And my mom is from Gonaive. And wow. um, yeah, they, that's completely opposite sides opposite of Haiti. Yeah. yeah. They met while they were teaching in school. And um, they have a whole love story themselves. It's not enough time to explain. But one thing that I could honestly say about them is um, they're very supportive, um, very um, respectful people. Uh, raise myself and my siblings in a way where I'm in my adult years, I could understand all of um, the strict ways of raising children, why it was the way it was. Some of it was a little bit extra, but I do understand. Um, <laughs> and they they have a very unique way of, of loving on their children. And the biggest thing I, I draw from them as my parents is service, what it means to serve. Wow. Um, you know, as a young child, I've seen my parents serve their community, their families, um, each other, um, our siblings, my siblings. And it, it really has been an example on my life. And it, it doesn't really, now that I'm blossoming and I'm really understanding who I am, service, I understand where I get that passion to serve um, from folks that have taught me to serve. You don't serve to receive, you serve to give. Yeah. Um, you serve to give. So they are truthfully, um, I would say one of my biggest supporters and also my biggest critics. <laughs> uh, definitely, they will. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They, they don't. They don't. Um, they don't hold We're back. Talking about Haitian parents. Yeah, I now. know, man. They. <laughs> I, but you know what's funny? I mean, they're they're very critical in certain ways. But um, yes. I I be hearing stories, and I'm like, ooh, that's harsh. You know, I I'm fortunate because they were strict, but they weren't like harsh. You know what I mean? Um. But like you said, they weren't. They were strict and fair. They were strict and fair. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yoga and justice. Yes. Yes. No, yes. No, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but- then let's let's jump to your background, mm-hmm. educationally. So, what can you tell about the background? What gets you there? You're now a nurse practitioner. Yeah. I know that wasn't just yesterday. No, 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 no. So <laughs> let me tell you. So I I knew from a young age that I was going to be somewhere in the medical field. Um, I, I knew it was going to be nursing, but then something happened in high school where I was just I said, no, 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 we're not doing this. You know, my mom's a nurse, aunt's a nurse. We're not 
we're not gonna go down this typical path, you know. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people say, "Oh, Haitian women, they're Haitian. nurses," and I was like, "This is not gonna be for me." So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and go to uh, business school, and I am going to become an international businesswoman. Um, what was I going to do exactly? I had no idea, but I just needed something that was completely far off um, and, and also removed, obviously. Right. Because international, you know, you're traveling. I'm, I'm, I'm out like I just I'm not staying here. Gone. So it ended up being an epic failure. My first year of height of college. Um, I was at Johnson and Wales University in Rhode Island. Everybody thought I wanted to go into culinary. No, they do have a business school and that's where I went and that's where I failed. And hindsight is 2020, right? So when in the moments that I was failing, I thought life was over. Like, oh my goodness, I started college, I'm failing. And then the, the, the critics, my parents, they're like, you know, you, you got to go to school. I don't care what you do, but you're not going to be sitting at home yeah. doing anything. You know, <laughs> education is huge. And um, I said to myself, you know, I, I think it's I think it's time to really stop running from what is calling me. And nursing was it. And, you know, I, I went into nursing. I transferred to Regis College. Okay. And um, it was hard, man. It was hard. It was hard stuff, but it was all worth it. So much so that I graduated in um, 2013. Um, excuse me. I graduated in 2011 uh, with my bachelor's and then went back in 2013, graduated in 2015 with my master's degree to start working as a nurse practitioner and then went back in 2018 oh. to start teaching. So I, I teach for the same place that God sent me to redeem myself. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, so, wow. you know, it's it's always so cool to have students um, and, and you know, after meeting them for a couple of weeks and they're like, I just want to let you know that I didn't pass this class. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And yeah. I said, wait a minute, let me let me tell you why um, before you report me to my director. Let me tell you why this is fantastic, because I was just like you, you know, like I was yeah. here. I came in failing. You can relate school. to them. Yeah, I could relate. And then and then and then I failed a course in nursing school my first semester. Boy, let me tell you, failures have been like my track record and I, and I wear them with a badge of honor because they just they made me who I was, who I am. Um, and so they would say I failed and I have one opportunity. I can't fail anymore. And I know that pressure. I live that pressure. And and it's so great to support them and remind them that between me and them, there, there's there's no difference. Right. Um, and there were folks that went before me that had the same story and they did okay. And just reminding someone that they're going to be okay when they were under the same pressure and the same predicament that you were in is, is um, very unique. And then supporting them, my support to a student that failed versus one that is cruising through the program and doing fine. It's very different. Um, it takes more time, <laughs> a lot more grace, a lot more patience. Um, and there's always something underlying that may be, you know, holding them back and making them doubt their ability to succeed. 
So it's, it's very interesting work and I get to, you know, I get to see them grow and they graduate and they email me and it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, that's um, what you said is very, very touching. And mm-hmm. you said you, you, you encounter a lot of failure. Mm-hmm. Some people, they avoid failure and they wouldn't admit it. Mm-hmm. Like, can you touch a little bit about it? Yeah. So failure, failure is good. Failure doesn't feel good, but failure is good. Um, hey. I, 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 uh, I look at, you know, the world that we live in right now and, you know, social media and, you know, everybody, you know, what, what people measure as success. And a lot of these people that you see um, being successful and successful in their own right, right? They've failed multiple times. And for me, I feel like it is my duty to share my failure or that I've failed multiple times because what you see is not what really that that runs through other people's minds, right? Man, if I could just get there, man, if I could just do this. And yeah, you can, you will, but you will have some detours. But I always say failure is good. Failure is so good because it teaches you things about yourself. Um, You know, when I failed my first nursing course at Regis, when I transferred, um, what I learned was that I don't really have the ability to be working the many hours that I was working and trying to go to school. Wow. Um, of course, my biggest my biggest supporters and critics, i.e. my parents, they told me, they're like, ah, you know, leave that babysitting job alone, Brenda, you're okay. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. You know, I got into the school. I'm in a nursing program. And it was an epic failure. I learned that um, I should probably learn how to balance life a little bit better. Okay. Um, and I think also what I've learned about failure is that some failures, they linger. Um, mm. The bitterness of a failed project, failed relationship, failed um, journey, whatever it may be, it, it can linger. And for me, it lingered because I was also an RA, a resident assistant. And so I had students on my floor that I used to look after. And the first part of the the school year in uh, in the fall, I was in my nursing courses. And then when I failed in the spring, I couldn't take any nursing courses at all. I had to wait a whole semester and then retake that course in the the following fall, the next academic school year. And so in the spring, I ended up in classes with some of my residents. And oh. like, what are you doing here? Oh, no. <laughs> and yeah. the first couple of times, forget the first couple, the first couple of months, it was yeah. just, it was I hard. had to find like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm actually taking another route. I'm up and I like made up all of these excuses <laughs> to validate yeah. a failure that I was afraid to talk about. And wow. it lingered. And I could do that semester could not end any quicker. I said, I cannot face, I can't face these students. I, I just can't like these teachers obviously don't know me. These instructors don't know me because I, this is not the track. I was like taking all of my electives at the time. And, but it was my residents that knew exactly what I was supposed to be doing. But then when they saw me on a path that didn't reflect what I was supposed to be doing, it looked awkward. And so, you know, what I learned after that is that some failure 
the residue of the failure, it, it, it lingers. Yes. It does linger and it lingers, but what do we do about it? Mine lingered and I was still running for a while. I still didn't accept it. (laughs) Oh, wow. And for a while I was their resident assistant, but I couldn't even lead them because I was running from my own failure and looking back, I'm like, wow, that was an opportunity, Brenda, to have that conversation. But, you know, I wasn't as mature. I was, I think I was 21 at the time, 20, okay. 21, not understanding. But now I look at failure as an opportunity, even when it wow. lowers, right? Even when it doesn't feel good a week later, a month later, a year later, later. years yep. later. But what's the opportunity? What is the conversation you need to have with yourself first, right? Or others, right? What what is what is that failure still teaching you? Evidently, yep. it's still teaching you, right? Because it it it's lingering. The effects of it is lingering. Is it teaching you that there's a conversation that you should have had? Is it lingering because it's teaching you that there's something that you didn't learn in that situation? Is it is it lingering because it's telling you, well, maybe you need to get a counseling about it is it lingering because you have regret like why does that moment linger Um, i think i think you you're really a good teacher because you're (laughs) teaching me now because uh, i had some failures too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but one thing i realized that you have to face it yeah boy you gotta face it you gotta face it admit it yeah admit Admit what you didn't do right. Yep. And that's where the the lesson gonna come. Right. And yeah, that's the same way with your relation with relationship with anything mm-hmm. spiritually, educationally, professionally. Mm-hmm. Yes, you might. Yes, there will be failure. But what do you do after this? Right. Do you stay down or you get up? Right. And even and if you're getting you, up, you get up. Right? yeah, you get up. It's wow. it, it can still linger, but what do you do about that? Um, yeah, definitely. You only learn in failure, like you only grow in failure. All the positives come from the negative. It's crazy. It's unreal. Um, do would you say this experience make you a better teacher? Yes. Also. Absolutely. Um, when I first started as a nurse, um, I had, I had a couple of, uh, preceptors as a nurse. My first job as a nurse was at a nursing home. Yeah, man, 36 patients every night, (laughs) um, 36 patients every night. I listen, I cried on my way in. I cried on my way home. My favorite day of the week was Friday that I didn't have to work weekends. Okay. And the worst day was the Sunday before the Monday that I had to go back to work. I was mm-hmm. miserable, right? Wow. But there was there's like a theme, right? So um starting nursing, my first job, my my training, my preceptorship was weird. It was very challenging for me, obviously, because it was new. I'm like, okay, because it's new. Um, I then went to Spalding in Cambridge and that was challenging in itself because of course it's new. And then I started as an MP at MGH and I started and it was, it was a challenge, but it was weird. Um, Those challenging transitions 
has really helped me support my students the best. What I learned in those transitions is that I didn't accept the challenge of a new thing. Mm. You are whoa, a new thing. Whoa, whoa. I can accept it. And boy, will you have issues until you accept, right? <laughs> you, you'll have issues until you accept. You can yeah. doing it, but still have not accept your reality. I was excited about it, new position, but I didn't accept it. And until I knew the turning point in all of those transitions was I had to accept where I'm at, accept that it's a, a learning curve, mm-hmm. accept that I'm going to put in more work, right? And the other part of it was um, I didn't realize my unique contribution to the spaces that I would be occupying. Mm. Whoa, 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 my whoa. unique not not because there's there's multiple nurses here and some of might be Haitian um, as I okay. progressed in my career th- the number of Haitian or black nurses in the spaces that I infiltrated very very rapidly started to decline right and that's okay but there's a unique contribution that you bring as the individual person that God has made you to be in the spaces that you occupy your purpose your purpose yes your purposeful being your purposeful space in the places that you occupy wow and now with my students even when they're months and years away from graduating we talk about purpose we talk about where your where where your desires where you want to be and then when you get there, what do you do? When wow. we started this podcast, we talked about who are you, right? And he answered the question, yeah. who am I? Answered the question, who am I? How, what do I identify to be? That person you bring everywhere. That person you bring everywhere. Some of my struggles and my transition in my profession I was bringing my physical self there, but the unique parts of me, I was not letting express. So I struggled because I suppressed who I really was to conform to a place that I'm in. Um, And you you could take it two ways. You could say, well, Brenda, were you being fake? Not necessarily. No, not at all. Reservation. I'm reserved. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm showing parts of me because I'm reserved. But man, is there freedom? Wow. When you unapologetically, unapologetically accept who you are. When I tell you it's from it's from dealing with coworkers to patients, I'm I'm big on nicknames. I mean, if you if you're a coworker of mine and I don't have a nickname for you, that means we're probably not that close, but that's okay. We'll work on it, right? But okay. even even the way I deal with my patients, the way I greet my patients, the way I talk to them, we have this understanding and a relationship. But that's that's all of me, right? Okay. This is all of me. The way I converse with um, my colleagues, that's all of me. Unapologetically, it's me. Mm. And and a lot of times in the, the world that we're living in right now, there's this inability to understand the essence of a unique person being part of a team, whether it's a team at work, whether it's a team in a relationship, whether it's a team yeah. in a community, being 
your true self what that means. Because until you do that, you're kind of robbing everybody around you. You're um, robbing them the, the experience of getting to know the true you. So how long have you been teaching? Teaching 2018. So about three years. It's going to be three years. Yeah. All right. Do you, can you spot a student like you can see mm-hmm. or you can feel who they are just on your first meeting with them or first time seeing them or do you it, does it take you time to kind of mm. yeah I know get, exactly what yeah. you're saying like identify if there's someone who's like you yeah. know struggling and going through something I'm I'm a big reader of vibes like I I if I'm not comfortable there's something there's a reason why I'm not comfortable okay. usually if I'm not comfortable not just just the students but just any space that I'm in, I just, I, I, I'm reserved. I don't really talk much. And I just understand the landscape of the people that I'm dealing with. But for my students, I try to observe their behaviors, their contribution in class. And majority of the time, if I'm, if I'm understanding that someone might be struggling, um, I really do take the time to make an appointment to meet with them, not waiting for them to struggle, then make an appointment. No, reaching out. And I found that, you know, one of my students, <laughs> boy, so we were teaching, I was teaching a lab once and, you know, she came in with a belly shirt on and I had to send her home. I was like, this is, you know, you're not in uniform. Um, it's not okay. She was very upset. <laughs> I mean, I can't have you in lab in a belly shirt and everybody else, you know, in their uniforms. It's just a rule that this school has implemented. It's just, it is what it is. And it was a little hard for me because I felt bad and, but I had to do what I am charged to do. Yeah, and, it wasn't necessary. Yeah. yeah, and you know, she had to come back, repeat the lab, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember seeing her in class and um, first time she came in, you know, it was okay. The second time I asked everybody, you know, after class to go once they're done and I asked her to stay and said, you know, I, you know, the belly shirt, whatever you made up the lab, what's, what's going on? Is everything okay? Anything you want to talk about? She was very reserved. And then finally it came out, you know, one of her parents were ill and she was the main caregiver. She is the only child while she bears the weight of trying to get through nursing school and has failed (laughs) a nursing course in the past at the same institution and is riddled with fear that she might not complete this semester. Um, And then there was financial strain too. So those moments teach me to be sensitive to those that are around me um, and really pay attention, especially with students. Uh, I do this with colleagues too. Um, sometimes I could tell when people are off and there's always something there. Um, and if they're comfortable, we chat. And if not, you know, again, I, I, yeah, no one, I, I just want to encourage folks to know that whatever it is that they're going through there, there is another side to it, right? This is not, this is not always, this is not all falling apart. Um, but you could identify that if you take the time. And I think we all can do that if we really do take the time to understand human beings and when they're up, when they're down, when, when they're right in the middle. So 
No, I think that's that's a good explanation. And um, one thing I wanted to say mm-hmm. is, I think, and you 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 wear many hats, right? I do. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna switch once to Hammer. Yes. So, can you tell our listeners what Hama is about? Yeah. So, Hama is the Haitian American Medical Association, and it is a nonprofit that I um, got started in 2017. Wow. However, it was written in a journal since 2008, and I never Whoa. executed on it. In 2008, yeah, 2008. So it was a long time coming before I decided to really, you know, go forth and launch this organization. And truth be told, I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew my why. And my why was rooted in the fact that, you know, I am Haitian. My parents are Haitian immigrants and I've seen um, countless um patients. Um, I've heard countless stories of how the lack of health literacy and understanding, how it can cause some terrible health outcomes, um, not just for Haitian individuals, but for people in general. Um, But I decided to focus on the Haitian community because language is also a huge barrier to care. It is. It's a huge barrier to care. So I decided to start this organization um, to improve the health literacy of our Haitian American communities. And then tagged along onto that um, was also to support our future Haitian medical professionals, um, starting here in Massachusetts by awarding yearly academic scholarships to Haitian American um, students that are pursuing higher education. So our organization focuses on health education, two main focuses, health education and um, scholarship, academic, yearly academic scholarships. Wow. Oh, that that's really really inspiring. So what what so what, what's the story behind it? What why you wanted to do this? Um, honestly, uh, uh, when we talk about health disparities and um, when we talk about health education, I don't think we do a good job as a healthcare system currently to really help folks understand their health in whatever concept or aspect you you want to portray this to someone um you know there's an understanding that if we translate documents into someone's native language they can read it and that's not always the truth right Um, because we have issues with literacy levels um there's an understanding that if we tell them they'll understand it that's not really the truth because there's cultural norms there is a mindset that you're you're challenging. Um, there are financial strains, um, health literacy strains, just multiple things. So it, it really stems from trying to find strategic and creative ways to really get health information out to our Haitian American communities. Um, and again, service, going back to what I was saying at the beginning, I believe purpose is your purpose to do something and in my purpose of being a healthcare provider I'm also purposed to serve and utilizing my knowledge my network and my time to serve my Haitian community 
that's all tied into my purpose for me. Um, Do I work a full-time job? Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, When do I have time to do this? You find time. You find time for purpose. You do. You really do find time for purpose. And and to, to be honest, the work and the development that I've seen with this organization has brought me so much joy and fulfillment. Okay. Sometimes this money can't buy that. <laughs> money um, cannot buy that. It really can't. It can't. To see your Haitian um, community better, to support young Haitian Americans and see them thrive and, you know, come back and give back to the organization, their time, their talent. You, you cannot put a price tag on that. And, and I think you, you said it well. And mm-hmm. When you mention, yes, we have a lot of Haitian who are into medical field, mm-hmm. but the lack of knowledge to our culture here, it's still bigger. Mm-hmm. So I think, yes, um, if you if you guys and I and I appreciate you coming along to kind of explain your vision. Mm-hmm. But my question would be, what's what's your goal? So what exactly you want to accomplish? Through HAMA? Yes. Uh, so HAMA could be the premier platform where patients actually access all of their health education. Um, so that HAMA has the ability to connect patient individuals to providers that they can relate to and actually converse with. Um that we can continue supporting our Haitian American students and future medical professionals and grow that academic program. Um, there's also a branch of mentorship that's starting. So it, it's it's all about our our community being better on a health perspective, but also building the community that we tend to not see in our culture sometimes um, and and having the next generation really continue that understanding that Haitians, you know, can come together and build something great, great. not yeah. just for us, right? Not just for ourselves, but for the future generation, the current one yeah. and the one to come. So as your vision for um, uh, uh, being realized, Slowly, (laughs) Slowly. it's only been four years, but well, let me let me take that back. It's been four years, but I've seen more growth than I thought that I would see in four years. Okay. However, the vision is is being accomplished. It's slowly being accomplished. So can you talk about your growth, the growth you see so far? Yeah, absolutely. So when, when I first started HAMA. I tell people this is, I said it was, it was God, myself and the consultant. <laughs> okay. Putting things together behind the scenes in 2016, prepping for a launch. And at this current moment, we have 30 volunteers that serve in nine different areas of the organization, um, subgroups. We have an acting board um, we we have different departments in our organization that support it as a whole, um, from document translation team to an editorial team, health education, scholarship, mentorship, um, you know, a fundraising team. So there, that growth, I could not even begin to imagine. Um, 
a social media and marketing team. I mean, that right there was, that was a prayer answered because I said, Lord, I'm not on these social media platforms that much, you know, back when we first started. And I said, can you just send some people that want to do this? And in about a year and a half, a long year and a half, um, they, they showed up and they were eager and ready. So there's been a lot of growth to go from two, three people um, to 30 um, in four years that are committed and dedicated and want to see this organization grow. That's that's growth. So um, do you want to talk about your your team? <laughs> Yeah, so our team is, again, 30 folks. They're spread out into five different states, uh, Massachusetts, New York, uh, Florida, Georgia. I'm missing someone. Ooh. I want trouble. <laughs> yeah, if they're watching this, I didn't, I, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's five different states last time I counted. Um, Okay. But, uh, yeah, the team is spread out um, into five different states, and we meet wow. virtually. And um, in four years, that's four a big years. step. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. And it's a part of some people were here in Massachusetts and they relocated, okay. and then other folks that you know reached out. They lived in other states, found out about Hama online, and. You know, they're like, how can I serve? And, you know, they went through our volunteer recruitment process and learned about the organization and, you know, came on board and never looked back. So it's, wow, it's been wild. Yeah, it's been quite a wild ride. So what's your what's your future goal for your organization? I mean, continue to continue to really just release this health education. Um, we have a great uh, team with the health education team that, you know, we're looking for, always looking for speakers. Actually, your wife is going to be one of yeah. our speakers in May, May 2021. Yeah, this upcoming. Yeah, month. Jessica Das. Yes, yeah. she's going to be one of our speakers. So continue to find gems like your wife who are Haitian in the community who could speak the language, get them onto a platform where they could share their knowledge um, with the Haitian community, definitely continue our academic scholarship programming, um, definitely grow our mentorship um, program, um, and just continue to serve the needs of our Haitian community from a health perspective. So uh, what about the, can you talk about the scholarships? Where do you get the fund? Is it from donation? Is it from grant? Great question. It's a great, great question. So the scholarships is something that was very close to my heart when we first started. Um, and for the past four years, I've actually supported the scholarships myself because I believe so much in the growth and development of our next generation. Um, I believe one year, one of our board members, uh, um, decided to gift um, each scholarship that year. But is that sustainable? Not not, not at all. But um, I do believe when you believe in a vision, if you're not the first one sewing into it, then uh, no one else can join, join you. Yeah. And um, it's not sustainable because as this program grows, um, the level of growth that I see for it, um, I as an individual person cannot do so. But, you know, our team is working on ways to find funding to support the scholarship team. But, um, yeah, in the past four years, I have I have proudly um, supported every academic scholarship that has been given out, ex- with the exception of 2000 and. 20, 2019. 
what they expect oh, wow. from United. Okay. So now, now we're gonna tell our listeners. So please donate to Hama. Please <laughs> let them know where to donate. They do this on our website. Yeah, they could do it on our website. There's different um, selections whether you want to do a general donation or a donation to the scholarship fund um, or our health education, our operational expenses. They could definitely go over to our website, um, myhamahealth.org. Um, and make a donation there if they are so inclined. We appreciate it in advance. Um, they can also follow us online and, you know, just keep in the know with everything that we're doing on Instagram, Facebook. We're also on LinkedIn. And if you're not on any of those platforms, if you go onto our website, you could be added to our email list um, and receive some updates from us when we have different events going on um, and things that we want to keep our wonderful Haitian community in the know about. Oh, thank you, thank you. That's a uh, good, 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 um, good explanation and good information. Absolutely. So if you're if you're watching this um show, you will you will, please donate to Ama. You can go to maamahealth.org, and you can donate and support the Haitian community, and support Brenda Lomel on her purpose. That's her purpose, <laughs> and that probably your purpose to support too. All right, yeah. so well, thank you. you. No, I no, really no, appreciate like, that plug. <laughs> no, no, we we do it, and like I said, yeah, we have to help it. each other. That's we have right. to. So, divine purpose is to find people, influencers that can help others understand, embrace their purpose. Yeah. So we had um a great show with um Mark Stotland. Okay. He's, he's a pastor from USA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He left USA and then went to live in Jeremy for 10 years. Now he's living with his family. Yeah. He has a mission, Bible, Haiti Bible mission. Okay. He, he, so I'll post this, um, this video online too, and you can reach it on um, DP yes. Podcast Live on YouTube, DP Podcast Live on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Nice. So now... The, you you say your parents are Haitian. Did you have a chance to go to Haiti? All the time. Really? All the time. Wow. <laughs> Wait, Haiti. It was 2017. Um, I I love Haiti. I mean, I I was I was, my my parents had brought me back there as a kid. My dad brought me back as a kid multiple times, and um, I enjoy Haiti a lot. Fresh food. Fresh water, beach water, the sun. Haiti is amazing. And, you know, I, I'm hoping, hoping to get back there soon. Um, but the last time I went was in 2017. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what exactly do you like? What fruit do you do you like the most? Yeah. Honestly, the mangoes and the kinep are so fresh. Kinep, yeah, <laughs> kinep is good. No, the kinep's out yeah. here are too sour for me. I, I think I don't think they're manufactured yeah. correctly, but and I think they're manufactured. But <laughs> really I like the fresh so? ones that are fresh, freshly picked. You know, um, and you can buy in Haiti. Yeah. All right, so this is time for hot topics. So hot topics. So this show we have. Mm-hmm. Hot topics where we um we ask questions people don't really have answers for or don't have a chance to ask those questions. Okay. People are scared about the vaccine. Can you explain why? Mm. <laughs> it's a loaded question. Um, 
I think that there is a hesitancy because um, when you look at the black community in general, um, yeah. there is a lack of trust. And um, when you look at our Haitian community in particular, I mean, I didn't grow up in Haiti. My parents okay. did. And, you know, when they were being born and raised in Haiti, you know, I if you know a Haitian person, you see that little mark on their arm, right? That, that booster shot. I mean, they yeah. the, the exact name of what they gave them, I'm not sure, right? But it built immunity to all sorts of diseases. And the understanding of the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, um, may be lacking in some ways. Um, I could see very, very clearly why someone would be reluctant and why they wouldn't really be jumping to take a vaccine. Um, and this is kind of why we do what we do with Hama. So understanding this in our culture, understanding our people, we actually gathered a panel of folks to talk about the COVID vaccine. Um, that video is available on YouTube to yep. really break down what vaccines are and what they're not. Um, and a general overview of how vaccines are developed in like in general, outside of the COVID vaccine, right? How are vaccines developed? Just to give our community a little bit more knowledge on um, vaccines. And then we go into the specifics of um, the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, you know, again, when there's a lack of trust and a lack of understanding and, you know, lower health literacy in a community, you cannot be surprised if there's hesitancy. So I do understand, you know, I get it because I've grown yeah. up Haitian and I okay. work with Haitian parents. But I also know the other side because in my role in cancer care, I actually work in um, phase one drug development. And okay. so I work with, um, you know, medications that we're giving that are not yet FDA approved. However, vaccines, the vaccines have gone through, you know, the three phases of development. And, you know, we, we break that down. So I see both sides and um, I see why the hesitancy exists and I see also why the vaccines are um, you know are important so you you hear all the rumors about if you take the vaccine you're not gonna be able to to have kids you you hear whole things so what can you tell them to debunk that theories yeah yeah, we've talked a little bit about um, some of the the um, kind of the chatter that's been going on. Um, we talk about it in the, the YouTube videos. So part of creating those YouTube videos, those live stream was to educate our community so that some of those uh, uh, the wording and the lingo and the statements that have been, you know, circulating. Um, yep. can come to some level of rest with some with some folks so they could have some assurance and understanding. So for us, having the conversations one-on-one -on -one with our family members was great, but also understanding that we should definitely be putting something out here that they can, people that we might not even know may find useful and beneficial. 
Okay, uh, I, I experienced something. I went to Mattapan, CVS Mattapan, and I had somebody who was taking their um, vaccine, the first shot there. Mm-hmm. That person was the only black person in the line in Mattapan. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a lady, she saw me register for the person and she thought I was taking the vaccine, which I already took both. Mm-hmm. And she kind of said, "No, don't take it, don't take it." <laughs> I said, "Wow," and I, I kind of feel bad because they hear mostly the bad thing; they don't hear the good part of it. And our job get harder because we have to reach to those people and kind of convince them, or not even convince them, give them the truth. Mm-hmm. But that's that's why that's why I understood. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, it is. It is hard because again, there's a lot of misinformation that's that's circulating. Right, there's a lot of misinformation, and again, it goes back to you know this is this is nothing new. <laughs> that's one thing I want folks to understand is the issue with uh, vaccine hesitancy is this is not new, right? This is just something that we're dealing with that is compounding on top of the issues that we've already had as a community with our relationship with the healthcare system as black people in general. So when when folks are talking about vaccine hesitancy, oh my goodness, what are we going to how we're going to do it? You know, I hope we sit, we keep that same energy going when we're talking about primary care, when we're talking about screening for cancer, when yeah. we're talking about blood pressure screening or diabetes screening. Like you know, we're living through a pandemic. We need to, you know, you know, push it out there and not push it. I say, I use the word push very lightly. I mean, you know, promote uh, vaccine awareness in the best way that we can, but community health is the, the infrastructure of community health and the issues that are going on right now are not anything new. It's not new. So coming out on the other side of this um, pandemic, I do hope that as healthcare providers and healthcare leaders and community leaders, we also find ways to keep our communities healthier, whether you identify your community as your black community, immigrant community, Haitian community, we find strategic ways to keep keep the community healthier and build better relationships with the healthcare system and healthcare providers. And yeah, and you well said, well said. So now, second hot topic. So what happened to Haiti? Because they said if COVID get to Haiti, <laughs> most people will die. And here we are. We're still well by the grace of God. So can you explain? Do you have a... I really don't have, honestly, an uh, explanation about Haiti. Um, <laughs> being that I didn't grow up in Haiti um, yep. and I haven't traveled there. It, it, it would be very hard for me to really say much about Haiti. Um, but I do, you know, I hear that our numbers are not all that high um, and we haven't had many cases. Um, but also when you think about the public health reporting system in Haiti, how strong yeah. is that infrastructure to really be giving you the numbers that you need? Um, okay. Same thing for the U.S., 
Um, we can track, the U.S. has a better way of tracking, of course, because it has an infrastructure that m- might be able to do that better. But, you know, okay. if for Haiti and COVID, I can't really speak to that only because I'm not on the ground. And I is there somewhere that I would love to be if there wasn't so much unrest? Yeah, absolutely. But um, I'm glad. One thing I'm glad is that it's it's not like, you know, we, we, we live through cholera, right? Yeah. And it's not that. It's not that. So we're very fortunate. No, you're right. And yes, um, the last, um, our last guest, he was talking about um, the COVID in Haiti. Mm-hmm. He said mostly only on um, when you go to the bank, but people don't really wear a mask Ooh. in Haiti. Hmm. And, but everybody's still healthy. So mm-hmm. we, we praise God for this. So, right. um, so we 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 are getting close to our interview, Brenda. We made it. We did. We made it. So yeah. Awesome. <laughs> you want to go longer? Um, no, no, I'm okay. I I actually have another meeting. I actually have a Hamo meeting. Um, okay. In a minute, right. which is pretty cool. That um, we usually meet every Wednesday evening. Our health education team. We come together every Wednesday evening to um you know, solidify the health education plans for this year and then um, start planning for 2022 in the next couple of months. So no, definitely. So final words for you, um, Brenda Alomia. Thank you um, very, very much for the invitation. Um, I, I love to share about, you know, who I am and the opportunities that I've had to, I've I've got to receive and experience over the years. Um, Purpose is is a huge part of who you are. It is is you, it is you, it's why you were created. And um, I just wanna encourage folks to really think about why you do what you do when you do it. Um, Also understand that not every opportunity is an opportunity. Okay, through this purposeful journey, you have to have wisdom, um, discernment, um, and understanding, and also patience. And if if your purpose is really aligned with what God has for you on this earth, you you will you will experience the best of the best because He knows what you um, what He's assigned to you. He knows what you can. Um, handle what you he he understands your creative nature so you know continue to pursue your purpose get in alignment with what god wants for you and and make that impact and don't ever leave behind your unique ability to show up as you in the spaces that you infiltrate it is very important you don't want to rob anyone of the experience to getting to know who you really are so i i always say this live in purpose on purpose um do everything on purpose so thank you again eddie for having me i enjoyed this conversation a lot and those hot topic questions almost threw me off but that's okay <laughs> no, that's that is fine. totally that's fine, fine. You, did, um, you did well you did well totally, you did totally well so, but I thank, you, Brenda. thank you so much thank you for coming thank you for coming we appreciate you absolutely and- we hope to get you soon, maybe for another Thanks. interview and follow up because we might have, more. we're going to have questions about your interview. So okay. thank you. 
Uh, God bless. And Thank you, you too. Is, you guys, this podcast. We'll see you soon. Awesome. Thank you.